On this episode of Strike Gold, we speak to a choice architect. Now, this guy can teach you how to manipulate. No, you know what? He wouldn't want us to use No, no, no. I'm, I'm a marketer. I'll, I'll say manipulate. He'll teach you how to mani- manipulate. Your users. <laughs> Listening to Strike Gold with Roy Povarjic. Oh, Jonathan, you're you're back. Yeah, I'm here too, Jonathan. Oh, so, Jonathan. so you do it. No, so, I didn't catch up to the mic. You're listening to Strike Gold with Roy Povarjic and Jonathan Khan. Feels like home. It, it feels it feels good to be there's back. There's a hug. You don't see it, but there's a hug. I right put now. you in front this time because I feel like you took two podcasts without me, so I gave you the. I, I started Roy a whole new podcast. It's called just Gold. Just Gold. <laughs> now they know you're it's the not strike, strike. And the Gold. Got it. That's it. That's the. We're very lucky today. We have a, a special guest. We have a, an amazing special guest. Roy Ben Dole. <laughs> Roy ben, yeah, and I said his name correctly. Yeah. Because yeah. he broke it down to syllables for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot my other last name, Cohen. Cohen, Cohen, yeah. Ah. So it's Roy <laughs> Ben Dore Cohen, please. Yeah. All right. We're in episode, what number of episodes? I think it's 17. We're in number 17. 17. We're doing this for 17, uh, more than 17 weeks. 17 hours of us yeah. sitting in this booth wow. without the AC. That's true. But now that it's getting winter, it's getting more comfortable, I think. No, it's a closed building. No, it's really, it's horrible. Anyway, um, (laughs) so we have an amazing guest today, as Jonathan said, and... This is actually not... This is weird, because now I can't say, Roy, could you tell us about you? Because you're also here. What if you start answering? I'm not going to jump in. Okay. Like I said, Bendo. 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 Tell us about it. When in middle school, we had four Roys, so... And by the way, each one wrote their name differently. So Did anybody oh, really? get That's the funny. Roy? Did anybody have, like, he was Roy and That's everybody my, else ah. was, like, la, like last year? No, so I became Bender. Uh, but who was the kid who got yeah, the Roy? Yeah, ah, I don't remember. Uh, Do you think he succeeded better? <laughs> this is actually a very good question yeah. to ask you. Do you think that he actually, you know, society and behavior thing, he was like, I was called by my name as a yeah. child, not like the other He writes, Roy's. like, an autobiography. It's called, I was called by my name. The, the like, real Roy. The, real, the story of the real Roy. Um, so this is actually a very interesting interview because... Uh, we're not actually talking about a startup's growth specifically, but we're going to talk about a framework that every startup actually needs to know if they want to do their marketing better, sales Every better. marketer needs to know. Every marketer, every, every marketer. salesperson needs to know. Yeah, well. you're, right, you're right. And also every UX designer um, and every parent who wants to get their kids to do what they want. Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. That was good. Well, yeah, we covered yeah. everyone. We're going to sponsor the shit out of this episode. <laughs> All target audience. Huggies is also. Yeah, Huggies is sponsored. <laughs> no, inter- can we introduce? So they can give yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> right, tell us who you are. Tell us, you know, tell us. We yeah. spoke a little bit, but please go. Cool. Um, what do you do? What do I do? And that's who a, that's are you? That's a tough who question. I don't think my mom still uh, can answer that. She still asks me, why do I say to aunt? Uh, okay. That's an achievement in life yeah. when your mom and dad yeah. can t- explain to people what you do. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I'll, maybe I sh- there are two or three different things in my background that can help us understand what we're going to discuss today. <clears throat> I have a master's in cognitive psychology from Tel Aviv University. Uh, and specifically two topics that I really enjoyed uh, in that uh, master's was uh, creative thinking and decision making. Uh, and decision making, uh, basically, what I enjoyed the most was um, different researchers that um, Nobel Prize, uh, Daniel Kahneman and Tversky, who would, would have won a Nobel Prize if he wouldn't died before, were the, let's say, illusions of the mind. 
That's like no. a Lannis for reset line. Yeah, no, it's like it's like I no, don't know if he's feeling that. bad about it. I think the death part would probably yeah. pissed him off a lot more than <laughs> yeah. the not winning. It's like it's like dying a week. It sounds like an yeah. ironic line. Yeah. Like, anyway, <laughs> this is not six, six, six years before, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, and even now, it's like ah, okay. it's like it could have been me. Six no, <laughs> years, man. It's okay. important, important to give him the credit because he was part of this research. Just Nobel Prize for some reason yeah. you cannot give to a dead person as opposed to army medals in Israel. Yeah. Anyway, so um, and then I joined a company called SIT, uh, Systematic Inventive Thinking, and my role there was to help people, um, help companies and organizations to come up with new ideas, innovative ideas for products, for services, for strategy, everything that ca- uh, fights the cognitive fixedness, like these mental paradigms that doesn't don't allow us to think beyond the obvious. And this year in January, I uh, stopped working with SIT as an employee. I'm still a freelancer, but I created, initiated my own business startup initiative called Q Behavior Thinking, which the idea there was to combine a bit of all, all, of, all of all words. No, um, so I have the behavioral science, which is a topic that I know well, and I know that the methods and statistical methods and research methods and SIT, I know all these tools and principles to help people come up with new ideas and break there. And of course, I have also some background in design thinking. So these three elements are combined to what I call the behavioral thinking, which is behavioral science and design and systematic thinking. That's my background. <laughs> I almost want to ask immediately with, with the know-how that you have, can you manipulate your wife? No, she she knows how to manipulate me. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. I just wanted to see. He's smart, not Superman. You know, like you're a good, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, not he's still a human. No, I'm just saying if you can make small, you know, behavioral decisions that kind of make yeah. her do things. Well, you know the problem It's is. obvious you were manipulated. Yeah, you're manipulated. No, I'm just kidding. No, you I'm know the problem is she also worked for SAT, so. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> the mind games. Yeah. The mind so, games at home. And she's also organizational behavior. Oh, uh, my God. Anyway, the... Yeah, when, when you tough. when you like take out a trash or anything, would you like? Did I want to do it, or was I when? It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything you question twice. Like, <laughs> is it a good idea to doing this? Yeah. Am I in the bathroom because I decided, or because someone else decided for me? Yeah, like was that a good, like was that my idea, or is, yeah, yeah. it's been accepted? It's been accepted that I need to be. I didn't have anything to do here. <laughs> Sorry, okay. shoveling ice. It's, it's funny because, like, again, like uh, you know, marketer, creative. This it, it's it's in our in our lives all day yeah. long. So I just I was interested in hearing. Yeah. And Sorry. also, and also, I think like, the thing about decision making is that I th- we make so many decisions throughout the day, and most people think they are in control of the way they make yeah. their decision or they they're aware. Some of them would go to the extent of saying, "I have possibilities," and I'm thinking, and they don't even understand that when they come to the framework of thinking about the, making the choice, so many things have already, uh, you know, implemented the way they think. I, I, I just want to tell, like, like, it's yesterday I spoke with this guy, one guy who's going to help us with a SEO on a project. And I was like, I just want to consult with you or something on the phone. And I was like, how do you do this? And, oh, it's like, oh, that's super easy. And, I was like, and he starts explaining. I said, no, no, I just want to, I want, I want to pay you. Your company will do it. Well, it's a complicated project. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, nice. It's like, yeah. it's like before, like we it was just like a friendly advice. Oh, that's easy. Anybody can do it. And I was like, well, we have to really figure that one yeah. out. Yeah, this like, will take a couple of months to figure out. Yeah, and I was like, that's funny. We yeah. should always ask for advice right before you get a price code. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really easy. So, um, I actually wanted to say that um, it, surprisingly, uh, you know, me and Roy haven't done this for for a while, like together. And I, I I was so excited to come and tell him all kinds of different stuff that's going on. And one of the things that I saw, which I thought was really really cool, was 
uh, Netflix did a, a show called uh, Brainchild, I think it's called. And the first episode had to do with social and, like, the effects of social media and stuff. And it's for kids, really. And it was phenomenal because I, I love teaching my kids these types of things. Um, this is kind of like when you're a designer, they teach you, they say, everyone's an idiot. You need to design as if everyone's an idiot. And it's like you always disclude yourself from that. And then you realize when they know I'm part of those idiots because my brain is kind of yeah. built in a way where it's going to fuck me over. Yeah. So um, they had a, a session where they showed two images and they said, like, uh, which image do you like more? And it was a kangaroo lying on the side, really cool, and then another one of a cat that was really badly photographed, but it looks like a cat doing a selfie with some dogs behind it. And the lesson was actually uh, that they explained to you which one, you know, they said, which one do you like more? You made your decision, and then right after it said, this, the cat one had 1.2 million likes, and the kangaroo one had 12 likes, and then immediately your mind changed and said, oh, the cat one does yeah. look kind of cool. Yeah. And, and it was like this moment where my, my son and I were like able to discuss that you know, we're flawed. <laughs> we're, like, yeah. seriously flawed. And it's and it's not that we're flawed because back... At, and they explained it also on the show. They explained, like, uh, in our hard wiring, our, our basic mind, um, that was a safety measure. Like, if you had a whole bunch of people who were about to climb a mountain and everyone was going in a line and the one guy went off the path, don't follow that guy. He's going to die. That was, like, the idea. Um, but nowadays, you know, these things are all... You know, that, that was a decision of which one do I like more which is not something that has to do with life or death, and then immediately became a different answer depending on, on that basic toting. So it was very interesting to have that conversation with my kids. So this is like, this is pretty cool to actually have yeah. you here. This is one of the things I wanted to tell Roy about, so it's, it's great. So, it's, so. It, it's, it's interesting because it relates, let's say, the things that I dealt with in SIT and also <clears throat> in research, there are two terms. Uh, one is called cognitive fixedness and the other one is called cognitive biases. And basically, let's talk about biases first. The, the, which this is basically Kahneman and Tversky's research, and that's why they won the Nobel Prize. Um, is that basically they realized that we operate in ways that are systematically we we have some errors that we can predict in advance. Let's say like. Because before them, there was um, the neoclassical, um, you know, economics, and the idea was that there's, uh, you know, you are a rational agent that takes a decision rationally, and this is the way you should take decisions. And and what Karman Tversky did was to show that even though this is the norm and this is how it should be according to mathematics and economy, people don't act accordingly. And they showed one, uh, you know, time after time, how we deviate from this rational behavior. Um, and and the, the, the interesting thing about it is that you're unaware of it. Like it's not that you are you are aware at that moment that you're doing it. And by the way, awareness is not enough. So even if you don't know about these effects, and we'll talk a bit, a bit about them, you you know the effect intellectually. You can't. You stop you and you cannot resist it. Like it's a thing that you cannot yeah. uh, fight in a way uh, just by knowing it. Maybe there are other ways to fight it, but by so these are biases, and, and, and cognitive, cognitive fixedness, by the way, I, for many, many years I tried to think, this is two areas of research that are completely different. Biases, it's, uh, you know, since the 50s, uh, Kamen and Tversky, and, and, you know, till today. And cognitive fixedness, the first cognitive fixedness was described in 1945 but by a Swiss uh, psychologist from the school of uh, Gestalt. So two different separate areas of research. Mm-hmm. And I think I, the, the main, main, let's say, difference between these two 
and maybe I'm complicating things too much because it's a it's a thesis I have in my head and I still okay. haven't I'm, written I'm it. I'm waiting to dumb it down for me. <laughs> like I, I will dumb it okay. down. Don't worry. <laughs> so uh, if we talked about biases, biases are mainly in the context of decision making, decision making and judgment. Bias. Bias. Okay. And cognitive fixedness is in the context of problem solving and ideation or idea generation. Oh, okay. So cognitive fixedness doesn't allow you to see the solution. You know, sometimes in, 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 in problems that you have all the data to, you need. And you're you kind of boxed see, in. You're boxed in. And or the idea generation that out there, there are many, many alternatives, but you cannot see them because of this fixedness. It's like um, you're blinded by, by a set of glasses. Or yeah. The same thing goes with the biases, but this time, it, like they have many, many uh, similar things because it's, uh, it, you're unaware of both of the things and it limits you in, in, in an extent in some ways, but most of the time it's good. Most of the time it's good. It's good that we have cognitive fixing. It's good that we have these biases. It's a, just like you said, uh, I have to follow the herd because if not, I will fall from yeah. a cliff. Yeah. Well, that's, so, a, that's an interesting part when you get to this point now where you're like, the world is very different than that world that kind of we, our brains were set in. Like exactly. when we were, when whoever was molding the way our brains worked, or evolution or whatever it is, um, they, it was a totally different world. So yeah. all the decisions kind of need to be revamped and you kind of, I feel, I don't know if it's possible, you would probably know, but I feel like you need to train your mind always to try to re reevaluate how these things are done. I don't know if it's true. I mean, I do the want, when I go to the zoo with my kid, I'm very surprised when I tell him, wave to the, the bear. No, run from the bear, run from the, like, I, it's yeah. weird for me. I do understand we need those laws somewhere. But in the day-to-day life, when I'm trying to make a decision, what I like, which is an opinionated thing, it shouldn't be based on survival, you know, like. So I think what we, what we, we, we can, learn from these things in, in a way is not to try to fight it, but actually use it for our advantage and for people's around us advantage. So once you understand that you have these biases, instead of trying to fight it, me as someone that is, a, let's say, a policymaker or someone that designs options or choices for other people, I can make use of these biases to help them out to choose better. Uh, and, and in that sense, like now that we know how to predict the systematic error that they will have. And this is called, uh, this actually was introduced first in the book named Nudge. So it's Richard Thaler, who won the Nobel Prize a year ago, and Cass Sunstein, who's uh, in law department in, in Harvard, and he worked for Obama. And they published in 2008 a, a book called Nudge. And basically they presented a, this term that is called choice architecture, which is Every person that has is showing or designing a context or environment with a set of choices that people have to choose from. So like a package page on the website or uh, a, a display in a store. Or exactly, a menu in a restaurant, uh, a policy of, uh, I don't know, retirement plans, uh, right. etc. So, And this is a term that when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is genius. I like, I love it. Because it was the first time I realized, like, I knew about these biases and I, fo- I thought it, they were brilliant because it's, these are illusions of the mind. And I also, right. I, 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 li- I love it because I just, I don't know, since I was a kid, magic tricks, stuff like that, everything that is an illusion caught my attention. And then right. I realized that there's illusions of the mind in, in things like, in, you know, decision making and stuff like that. It was, 
Fascinating. He had an option to go to learn a master's or become a magician. So it, just, <laughs> it was really, could have gone either way. <laughs> well, actually, I, had, uh, I have a friend as a magician, and we did uh, some workshops together. Like a mentalist? Or? No, like, uh, you know, he's uh, Rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, but we expla- uh, explaining behind tax the magic. Money goes away. What's the fixedness? What is happening behind the magic? Like, why yeah. is it working on you? Mm, What's, okay. Why the illusion is working? And then I, I was giving, like, a psychological... Uh, explanation. I hope you did not do this with like a ki- with kids at a yeah, party. Yeah, kids, you it's were like, all you the, bring it to like a birthday party. You believed like, in you the did, bunny, yeah. but there's actually a dead bunny behind this. <laughs> like what? Yeah, no, like, mommy. He pulls out the balloons. The kids are happy, and then yeah. they come and say, "Well, you're not really happy." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a color thing. We yeah. uh, right. and then like with that boop on their nose. <laughs> How we cries. Yeah, and 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 like and like. Uh, Santa was your dad in a suit. <laughs> and you walk away. <laughs> exactly. No, but I guess that's what it is. But I mean, I, 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 li- I like how you're, you, th- there's a level of curiosity around humanity right. behavior that you have. Because I, I really resonate with that. That's really what I love. That's why I connect so, it to marketing and creative. It's yeah. all about so, how so, people think. So let's go deeper into choice architect and, and what, what it actually means. Okay, so, so th- the idea is that since you already, when you design the context or the environment that you do, if you just do it randomly, and I think that what's most people, I guess if you go to a restaurant, you look at the menu, it was randomly, I guess in most of the cases there was an intuition behind it, but there was no much thinking or even a B testing based on around price, it. no? So usually price, But right? how, no, no, not only price, how to, where to put, you know, what ah. to put uh, on board, what to put on the front page, what to put in the second, like... Yeah, okay. So, and, but if you know about the biases and the effects and some of the, I don't know, incentives and things from this research, you can actually lead people to the right. Or, you know, the, the choice that you want them to make. Either, do you want, that, that's in the context. Right. He doesn't want to make it evil. But no, I want well, to, it's right. It's we're all going <laughs> to use this for evil. <laughs> So let's talk about policymakers. Assuming he wants salads to be chosen. I want the steak. He <laughs> <laughs> used to be a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> this is, by the way, a really good example because in cafeterias, if you put next to the cashier uh, chocolate bars, that's what will people people will take. But if you put fruit there at eye level, they will take that. Yeah, so a, you think that you want to choose, like you said, right? I'm choosing in advance that I want to have my diet and I want to eat fruit. But then it's just in front of me, so I, so I take it. So, and, and there's research around it. Like if you put fruit, like in different universities in the U.S., you put a, a fruit next to the cashier and 75, I don't know, like some there's percentage. A, there's, there's a big research about this in Google where they, I think it was Google, that they spotted like the most of their employees are like gaining weight year after year. And, <laughs> and what they did know is that they, they went to their kitchenettes and they basically moved all the chocolates and all the candy like to the back, and they put like all the vegetable, uh, the fruits and vegetables to the front, and some people were eating healthier. No, I'm happy that I can so reference this, is... this point of this podcast to my wife because I literally said to her, like, they're eating candy because it's up front. Give them an apple, they'll right. eat the apple. Get the candy out of the house, they'll eat only healthy. Right. So now this is a, another, just what you said now reminds me of another term that is important to know. So this is based on, the, the, as I said, the, the name of the book is Nudge, and a nudge is defined... Okay, I don't have the definition because I don't no, have the book right. it's a push forward. That's what it is. But or there's three criteria the or the three parameters that I saw that are make a nudge a nudge. One is that it incentivizes or, or it, may, it creates action, like it activates people. Mm-hmm. Second, that it's cheap or easy to implement. And third, and most important, you don't take out options from the person. 
because taking out the candies from the house is not a nudge. And this is, this is what is important to say. It's not a mandate. It's not a, you're not a paternalist in that sense. You keep all the options there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. But I have to actually you, you present them differently in a way that will nudge them towards the choice that is mm, better. That's why all my apples at home are covered in sprinkles. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's colorful and it gets their attention. Uh. Uh, but once you understand that, it's, it's really interesting because uh, you're not denying from people, you're not limiting their choice, their, their options. Right. But you're helping them or you're nudging them towards Yeah, because otherwise it's so, too easy to just so turn around I, I, and take I, I want to yeah, yeah. take a second thing about... Um, because I guess companies or startups usually will see this in everything that is about interaction with their users. So it can be... The, the popular examples would always be pricing pages yeah. mm-hmm. where you either use, like, instead of saying, like, basic, pro, and, and advanced, you would say, like... Uh, a basic recommended and one of them would be like recommended or in yeah, the middle like exactly. with a bigger size or like everything would be dark color this would yeah. be like lighter color exactly or uh, or even if you go deeper into the research it's like specific copywriting um, that if you put on the, your landing page like a messaging you will put that same messaging on the option they wanted you to check another thing is like in product where like I want you to use a specific feature or do a specific action so the most popular version of this is when people talk about conversion rate optimization, talk about like yellow versus, like at the bottom would be yellow versus red, or copywriting. Yeah. But it's actually even much more complicated than that. Yeah, so basically, even for these things you just said, there are known effects in the literature of, of psychological yeah. uh, research. For example, what you just said about the three options, it's called the deco effect. Yeah. Um, and once you know it, even though you do it intuitively, maybe you can make more sophisticated decoys. At the end of the day, what's a decoy? It's like if you have two options, let's say um, a cheap uh, option, but is you know it's not such a valuable one, or a more expensive one, but is uh, its quality is better. People don't know how to choose. Right. But once you present another, a third option, we call it a decoy, that is similar to one of the options, but not as good. Mm-hmm. Like it's as expensive as the expensive option, but it's a bit, you know, the quality is not the same. Everybody goes to the option of the expensive yeah. option. And why this happens? It's because our minds at the end of the day don't understand absolute things. They understand relative things. Like you know how to compare between things, but when the things are uncomparable between oranges and, 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 and apples, yeah. then we don't know how to choose from. But if so, you, do, you know how to choose between a good orange and a bad orange, right? So, so for example... Which phone uh, do you have? Orange. No, no, I was just gonna too. see which if I'm getting the right I, Apple, iPhone. Apple, Apple's and, <laughs> Apple's and, Apple's and Samsung. If I fail for the decor uh, or not. So it means that, for example, <laughs> let me. I'm, I'm trying. Like I'm trying to reflect this. So if I'm getting it and making it actionable like, yeah. for companies. So if I have three pricing tiers, and I would do one would be five dollars. Like the cheap one would be five dollars. Price more, folks. No, you right? do, but I'm just doing this like with small numbers, so it's easy to grasp. Yeah. But price more, yeah. like not us, but other people. <laughs> um, so um, let's say one choice would be five dollars, and the two other choices would be ten and twelve dollars. Now the features on five would be like one and two, versus like the ten dollar would have like ten features, and twelve dollar would have like eleven features, which are the same features. Exactly. And then basically, because because like oh wait, this is like a whole different sphere. I want to I want to focus on the things that I can actually compare. Exactly. I, I think Dan Ariely also talks about it. Like he just like there's the A A option and A minus option and B. That's decoy. 
Exactly. Right. That I think it's his research. By the way, I'm not sure about Deco effect. I think it's his research. I read only um, one book, so I have 12 I, examples. I feel like, I can yeah, no, oh, wait, one second. So I'm just trying to understand. So you have, you have the least one, right? The least valuable one has a very low price, right? So yeah. you would up that, no, necessarily. No, so, so basically, let's, let's... You would make it so that it's not worth buying I'll the give first you an example. one. It's, not, exactly. it's too much to buy the top one, and then you want the middle one. We That's can, we can make it even easier, because in this room right now, you don't see this, but there are three guitars... One is electric, two are acoustics, right? Okay. So basically, using the same, like making this very simple, like when you go in, you say like which acoustic guitar. You don't even look at the electric one because you have two options that you can compare to. It's much easier to compare this thing. Here we also yeah. see that one of them is missing a string, so it's really. And if they are the same price, then immediately we go. It's easy to go there. for the other guitar. It's like though you wouldn't. Like, the decoy is not the no, best one. The decoy is the middle one usually. No, no the, the decoy, the decoy is, is the one happens. pushing because you the towards the choice. Yeah, the decoy would be the one that without the string in that sense. Like it's pushing you to. So with the acoustic guitar in general, like yeah. you wouldn't say, "Oh, it's missing a string. I'm going to take the electric guitar. It's missing a string. I'm going to take the fixed acoustic guitar." I think what's important here is to know that it's it's a deep realization. We our minds cannot grasp absolute things. We don't understand what's ten shekels, one hundred shekels. We understand what is an apple worth ten shekels or, yeah. or a guitar worth ten shekels. We we know how to compare things, and 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 that's the thing. That it's also a bit. We, we, at the end of the day, our mind compares all the time, even unconsciously. And, yeah. and that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. And, and, and you can go, yeah, like, Dana really has many, many No, it's easy. I already it. chose my favorite child. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I unconsciously did it. I went to go hug my kids. They were sleeping. And I went to go hug my daughter. And I was like, I should hug my son. I was like, Ah, but I really like the daughter. <laughs> oh, damn it, I made this decision unconsciously. I love it if you're like, we need to have a third kid. We need to have a decoy. Decoy kid, yeah. <laughs> you're That's the decoy my wife's going to say this. She's be like, we should have a decoy, decoy child. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we call them the mistake, but yeah, decoy, that sounds nicer. Yeah, it's like, I don't know which one is my friend. Let's like, I have a boy and a girl. I want to have another boy, and then like, yeah, you know, he's like, the like which one of the boys you like? <laughs> so if you have three kids, that's how you yeah. decide who's your favorite. Do you one. think that there's? I know this is weird to ask, but like, having four or five different packages, too much? Is there any like thing that we can understand from that? So, so let me say, before that, I, I, we know this effects, but at the end of the day, as a researcher, I say I can only be confident if something works or doesn't if I do research. Right. So we know also that context is everything, and and we change the context, we change industry, we change the everything. Industry, or not even industry, we're changing the room. It might uh, affect, you know. Mm -hmm. In that sense, I don't know how to say four or five options is too much or too little. Only by presenting other, you mm -hmm. know, alternatives and then seeing statistically that there's a. He's an A-B tester. That's what he is. A-B tester. All the way. Um, but I can say that, well, there's the famous gem, you know, uh, the, the famous gem uh, story or gem research about uh, the people who were presented in a supermarket. Some people were presented with three different gems and some mm, with 20, 30. and then it got a whole bunch of people. And, and if you ask people at the end of the day, if you ask them uh, what's, um, what was more satisfying for you, and of course the 30 options is much better. But if you look, if the people purchase at the end, then when there's less options, they actually but it's easier to decide. So, yeah. if you think about it, there's a discrepancy, discrepancy, or there's a gap between what you say and what you do. Right. And I think this gap is also the basic, the base of the cognitive psychology. Isn't it like the gap between what you logic and emotion? That's basically what you said. They felt like the more options was great. 
but logically they were able to only be able to make a decision between three. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. something like that. So, so I would call it subjective report and objective behavior. So like we differentiate. I come also from a research of awareness. Like wh- mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you measure awareness? This is a parenthesis, yeah? Awareness, you can say it's whether I reported I saw something or didn't see, right? But what if I tell you that your behavior showed that you saw it even though that you cannot report? Mm-hmm. This is so. This is already like if you were talking about research of understanding how effective your branding was. So you could turn around and say, "I'm going to judge my branding of my company, the branding efforts I've done, by how many people like understand what my company is or what it does or recognize right. the name." And what you're saying is, it's not even that. It's about the person who walks past the table and says, "Oh, this one I'm taking," without knowing exactly. why, exactly. because the branding already That's, affected. That would be the objective behavior. Or let's say um, it's not a, in a sense like you know there, there was a big. Um, there was a big, um, in the 60s, I think, they said that Coca-Cola put a subliminal message in the, you know, in the, in, in the movie, and then everybody went to buy. So, of course, it's not true, at least what I know, it's, it's untrue, because you cannot do a subliminal message in a theater when people are in different roles. But okay, I really want to know this. Wait, why not? But Did you see Fight Club? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, I re- and I recognized Brad Pitt's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, what? But the idea is that there are two different research, uh, different measures, and then it creates a whole different conversation in the consciousness um, literature. Like, what is the subjective behavior? What I report, I do, and what I actually do. And we know that there's not always correlation between these two. Right. Um, and that's why the biases and everything. Um, I, maybe let's talk about some other effects of. Uh, yeah, yeah, please. Because the is, is yeah. one thing, but I think. So one that is really important, and they and they they talk a lot about in the book, uh, Cass Sunstein and, and and Richard Thaler, is about the default, um, and the default is basically let's say what was what you did before, it's what will keep on doing. Like there's a, some kind of inertia. Okay. And if I ask you, okay, you have iPhone, so I'm not sure, but if I ask you, did you change your um, you know your features or did you any, uh, change anything in your settings when you from the, since you got the phone? You probably say, I, di- I didn't touch my, my settings. So whatever Samsung chose, chose for me, it's what I use. I have a default like I keep on doing. And one of the most known um, you know, um, data is that if I ask you how many people are organ donators in, 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 uh, in Germany, as a ratio, like a percentage, how many people there? 17%. So it's uh, around 12%. And now I ask I you... Say 12. <laughs> and, and and I'll ask you how many are in um, in in uh, Austria. How do you do? How many do they have? Seven million people. Okay, so I'll tell you. I'll help you. I'll help you. Ninety-nine percent. So there's a ninety-nine percent. Now there's a big gap between two countries that for because for one is default. It's like when you were born. Exactly. exactly. So the default in Austria is like you're born a donator. Ah, wait, I don't have to sign something? Exactly. Oh, that's horrible. And that's in, in the gym, so those 1% is the smart people who went like, I'm not giving you shit. <laughs> I don't care. That's the status quo. I'm out of there. But this is a really amazing example that shows you that even in a choice that is ideologically, you know, like the organ donation is not like uh, what uh, what do I eat for breakfast. It's like right. Whether ideology, okay. ideologically I believe that I should donate yeah, or people not. People don't touch what, what... People have, they keep on with what they have usually. And this is the default. And I think in, in the context of policymakers, of course, this is one example. But if you think about it, we usually don't like to take decision, right? Like right. Some, sometimes we, we, we decide, I am I, uh, I, like... Uh, like I surrender. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to, yeah. to deal with it, but it's a choice. 
Right. If you don't choose, you choose. to make a choice, you, make, you, made a choice. You, you made a choice, which is not choosing. And now what happens in this default? What happens when you decided not to choose? Like I, every time a software, I buy, so, uh, I buy a software, I download a software, I always do X, 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 you know, like uh, later, 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 yeah, later. Yeah. I, I choose not to choose, to choice, to I choose not to choose. Yeah. Yeah. But the it, default thing is not so much a choice because some of those people don't even know that they're. Doesn't mean no, wait, but you. Unless you, you actively recognize the fact I that guess, this was decided I guess, for I you. I guess that like the amount of people who go to preferences, for example. Where? On a. On every, anything. No, because when you said the phone thing, I was like, I don't know if that matches so much because there's a very big thing about personalization with your own tech. So, so wait, I'm like, you know pretty what? sure most people, except for old people, that, that's have why touched I say, something. If you have there. an iPhone, I'm not sure, but wait, as a Samsung. Uh, that's actually, I, I, I would assume I the other way. Moved. The Samsung yeah. number of people who get to play with a lot more things than iPhones. I want to give a, like, a very expensive example. Okay. Because um, Google signed up a new partnership agreement with Apple for like $1 billion a year or $3 billion a year, whatever, okay. to, to remain the default search option for Safari. Safari, yeah, is, about, Safari, is, Safari is about 65% of the mobile web, I think. Mm -hmm. Like the traffic for mobile is like 67% <laughs> Safari, I think, in the world like general. It's like something crazy. Yeah, people don't really download uh, browsers to their phone. I have three. No, <laughs> but, no, but like in general. I get it. Like, no, no, not, I get from, it. not from like iPhone A lot of the users. default thing is that it has to yeah, open in so Safari. You can, you can change your default. You can you can actually change the search setting, and you can search in Bing or, or other options on, on your Safari. iPhone. On Safari. Yeah, but, okay, but, that's fine. Uh, but the thing is that Google understands that if they would put Bing as a default, Google is actually losing everybody. No, no, I get that. And so they're willing to pay that much of amount of money because because they know you don't change the default. And um, so this is like exactly this. And they, like you can put a huge sticker saying we use Bing, and most people will not go in and switch like the account. This is by the way why voice search is like the biggest threat on Google in general, and that's why they're so having to have VAs because when you search uh, the iPhone like Siri. Siri uses like Bing and Wolfram Alpha to get you the results for a long time, and really? Google once Google doesn't have their brand in front of the search line, then you actually you don't really care where you get the results. And in voice, you don't interact with Google. You interact with I'm asking a question. You yeah, don't even you just know give me the answer. I don't really care where it's, it's the from. first time you don't even know where the answer comes from. You're thinking Siri versus Cortana versus about that. versus uh, Google Alexa. Assistant, whatever Alexa. But you you don't know when you ask Alexa a question. You're you're not sure what search like what where how does it search? Well, Alexa, I'm assuming. Well, you're right. Yeah. You don't know that. So so uh, so that's the default. This default happens. We also know when, like for example, when you sign in to someone, the the box is already checked to get newsletters, right? right? So you have to uncheck it. So there's a law against so, this now. GDPR, you have to uncheck okay. it because then you know that you have people like you trying to save the planet from a decision. Yes, yeah. exactly like you. <laughs> yeah. But that was like the link. One of the A/B testing LinkedIn did when the on with the onboarding is that when you have like who do you want to connect with, you used to be able to go one by one and click like the people you yeah. connect with, and they this they did this A/B testing and like nobody unclicks. Unchecks yeah. a box. Yeah. They just hit next the same way. It takes too much ever yeah. to have okay. to make it. So, and so I think at the end default. of the day, that's why the default is so important because even though it's a really simple, almost trivial phenomenon, yeah, you realize that at the end of the day, many people don't decide not to take a decision, and you can, you know, help them or take advantage of that depending on which side of your. So, for for example, would you, <laughs> whether you're a marketer yeah. or not, <laughs> would, would you say that if, for example, uh, I have, um, I, I'm, I'm a freemium product. Right. I'm, so there's a free tier, there's a pro tier. Um, 
if I give you the pro tier to begin with, you have the features, and I'm asking you for your credit card, meaning that if you don't stop it by the end of 14 yeah. days, uh, you're going to start paying. Do you think like most people would not stop it after 14 days because that's like that's, that's how, how it works usually. That's why when you, you sign in for a newsletter or a newspaper or something, even like with that. money, they would see the first bill maybe they, and then you go back. Yeah. And I was actually I'm thinking, you know, what I was thinking the other way around. I was thinking if I do a default question in every process, every like thing that I'm doing. So you have a lot of uh, of uh, onboarding screens that you go through, and you're gonna have that newsletter one when you put in your email, right? But if I give a whole bunch of other things like, uh, you know, uh, Facebook Connect or all these other things that are all defaulted that you'd have to uncheck that you would so you wouldn't have the next part of the process, you might just go with it just to get it over with. Yeah. Because it's the default. You let it just pass. Mm-hmm. I, I want to relate because now we raised another. It's not only the default that is interesting here, but, you know, when marketeers give you um, uh, like 30 days to use this uh, right. the, the, yeah. the premium one, right? usually don't give up from different reasons. One of them is what we call um, loss aversion and the endowment effect. Loss aversion is uh, also something interesting that um, Kahneman Tversky uh, showed that basically we hate to lose. Now we know that, but we hate to lose much more than we like to win. And this is the interesting part. Yeah. So they, they showed a really interesting... Um, they showed it from the different angles, but the, the idea was to show that people will go for options that decrease or diminish the probability of losing, even though if the other, even the other option is much, much better, but there's a potential loss. And it connects to another uh, type of research that uh, is the endowment, endowment effect. I'm really bad in pronouncing. Endow- help me with your American accent. Endowment. So the idea was, that's also Thaler, um, Knetch and, and, and uh, Kahneman. So Thaler is like the rock star of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like we should do like an affiliate yeah, thing yeah. on the books that he's recommending. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine a, a room of students and half of them you give them... Um, uh, it's, it's like funny a, he says it in very technical instead of just saying FOMO. Right? Like I just wanted to say FOMO. No, it's not FOMO. If fear no, of, uh, no, no, no. It's not fear of missing out. It's fear of losing. Fear of losing. But it's pretty much the same, no? no? We'll listen uh, to the example. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't so listen to the So the idea <laughs> is that once you have something, there's a emotional attachment you have that adds the value of it in your perspective. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you a, a really a classic example that they did. So imagine half of the students get randomly uh, a pen that is worth $10, and half of the, the other half gets a, how do you say, sefel? Um, like a mug. A mug. Okay? Same price. Now, you distributed this randomly, 50 and 50. And then people are asked, do you want to exchange? Like, if you have a mug, do you want to t- take a pen? And vice versa. What do you expect the exchange rate to be? If you randomly spread it around, well, I think I think mostly arguments because the mug, the person who has yeah, the, the mug, mug so will say like, better. "Oh, the mug is like is like pricier, <laughs> obviously," and like the. As I said, nobody wanted to change. Oh, there's a really low percentage that I want to change, and this is because once you got assigned something, there's attachment to it, and okay. that's the endowment effect, and then you price it much higher than something that doesn't belong to you. You right. create a value based on on the fact that it's yours. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And afterwards, they talk- I'm wondering if in marketing you change that when you turn around and you make something into a whole aspect of trading, like trading cards, right? The whole idea is trading cards. People have a more, you know, it's more an environment of wanting to trade. 
But I'm guessing no matter what, you give a value to the cards that you appreciate the most that you have. But that's... Uh, but think about so the marketers, what the example we yeah. said. If you give me now, or give your users a f- f- 30 days trial, they fall in love, they have this, now the features, and now they don't want to give it back. They value it much more than when it was not theirs. Yeah, so and this is the two effects of loss aversion and endowment effect that are related, of course. Yeah, so, so I think a good example for this would be, I think there's two good examples. One, and this is something we did with email marketing a, a while ago. So the thing with giving you the 30 days, uh, the 30 days uh, account, whatever, the free account or whatever, is that what we do is when you send the emails, and this is actually like a really good hack to, to increase number of people who would actually pay you, is that let's say that you sign up to the product, you signed for the free version, I upgraded you for free for 30 days for the pro version, right? I need to always have one hook feature. A hook feature would be, Think about Gmail apps, right? A Google app, uh, Gmail apps where you can change your logo and put your logo instead of Google. Yeah. So uh, something like that. That really that, that is root. emotional. You create that root for them. That, that, that's emotional for them. And then after thirty days, what you what you you you, you don't send an email saying uh, your free trial is over. If you upgrade now, you get customized logo. You get this. You get this because you don't want to. As you said, winning is not as important for me as losing. But if you say, hey, if you don't pay now, uh, you're gonna lose the logo on the left. You're gonna lose these stickers. Uh, you're not gonna get access to these these features. And then you're you're more like say, wait, I, I was I'm, I'm, I was about to use these features someday. Someday yeah. I don't want to lose it. Like I, you can go back for seeing your company's logo on the Gmail to seeing Gmail. You know what I mean? Like if you had your logo on there, you cannot take out your logo because you would feel like you were deprived of something. And you would pay like five, even five dollars for something as stupid as having your logo. I, I have an example for that, and this leads me to another. Like, um, you know, every situation you can frame it as a winning context or as a losing context. Like, right. like, like, like you said now, you can lose this, this, and this, and that, or you will earn this, this, and that. And there was an interesting uh, research, I think, done in G- Germany afterwards, in the credits I will give, uh, so Gnetsch, I think his name, 2009. Students uh, signing up to doctorate, uh, to PhD uh, studies. So there was... Um, date in which they have to sign until that day. That's the deadline. Half of them were told, if you sign before this date, you get a discount. Half of the, half, the other half were told, if you sign in after this date, you get a fine. So, but if you think about it logically, that's the same thing. Like, let's say it was 1,000 shekels before, or it was in Germany, so euros. 1,500 shekels afterwards. Now, the only thing is to ask whether the 1,500 is a fine, or the 1,000 is an early yeah, it's, bird. It's like, a, it's like an early bird now, versus like regular Exactly, and price. now this, the, the results are fascinating. Who do you think sign, sign up? Like what was more, um, you know, the conversion rate was better? Yeah, we had this discussion also. I know so the answer. let's ask I him. Let's, let's ask the... Um, to understand. So wait, so I have the, the one with the fine, I have the thing, and then I'm supposed to understand if people signed up before or after? So the idea think, is like... For, it, okay. think, think, think about having like... A, Tickets going on pre-sale for a show. No, no, that I guess yeah. so. Then, so then, so who signed? Like the ones that they were told that this is a fine, or the ones that they were told that this is an discount. early bird registration? No, the fine, obviously. Of course. So ninety-three percent, in that case, signed up before because it was a fine. It was framed yeah. as losses. Yeah. Loss aversion. Which right? is the same thing. And the other thing, was framed as a gain. Okay, so I won't gain this sixty-five uh, percent or something like yeah. that. So there's a big gap. And now, if you think about it logically, rationally, there's no difference. 
the same price in both, we just framed it differently. And this is what uh, Karma and Versky coined as framing effect. You can take situations and by the way you frame them to the user, you actually create completely different opposite decisions. Right. And this is, as a marketeer for you, this is gold, right? Because you, yeah. uh, and you frame the situation. I've kind of known the whole law thing that it's always, you always want to go to that part that there's like a whole bunch of basic laws that they explain to you when you're a marketer that they go, people are afraid of that. People are interested in death, sex, yeah, but, this. But, but, I think the, this but the thing is, I think most people don't understand actually how it works because they, still if you see most marketers, they say that and then they try to create a differentiation in the actual amount. So they would say like, no, if like if 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 like let taking the the pre-sale, the the early bird versus the fine, they would say no, like just like framing it as a fine isn't good enough. We have to say that it's not going to cost like one thousand fifty. It's going to cost two thousand. They're gonna they're still going to look for the hook that is like a number that is bigger because the regular market would come and say no, we need to like the we need to see they need to see that the number is different. And what this is actually saying is that you can just say, you're like, is it. Think about, uh, you know what, I, I, I think this is a good example. So think about pricing. We have monthly versus yearly. You can pay $8 a month uh, like a, on a yearly package, and it's going to be $8 a month versus paying month by month $12. And everybody says, like, you're going to save 5%. You're going to save $4. But if they would say you're going to lose $4 every month, mm -hmm. or you're, like, yearly you're going to lose $42, or I don't want to lose $42, I don't care about I, like, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about saving two dollars. Mm -hmm. Two dollars is shit. I don't care about it. Oh, I'm gonna fucking lose two dollars every I'm month. How I write this in a way that it doesn't seem complicated, but I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, so it's, it's more like, of a concept of like lose more of your money on yeah. this pro product. That you're and it's the same thing. And and also, I I, I want to get somebody who does like save fifty-five percent on annual. I see like lose if you take. I guess most markets would be afraid to say the word lose. Like uh, like somewhere yeah. like next to their buy now button. I think what you have to learn from that is basically that you can reframe many can situations. Write, don't lose. <laughs> no. Don't lose five dollars on your next. Uh, no, because you get the, the the bad effect of the word, the negative word. Oops. Sorry. Whoa. Oh. Sorry. Sound effect. Okay. Sounds like your defaults on your iPhone. No, that's not it is because as he was talking, I was going on to all the people I subscribed to and unsubscribed. <laughs> no, um, okay, so um, so that's like a pain, like loss aversion and, uh, and 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 the framing effect. And I yeah. think um, the framing effect is really really strong because this is for me also fascinating because this is a real illusion. You have the same stimulus in front of you. Right. If you are a bit. Uh, because if you can criticize or you have a critical thinking, you can see that actually it's the same thing. Yeah, right. On, that's on that's why I said to you before, like my brothers Deloitte, that's all they do all day. They just look to be critical of every single thing in front of you. That's actually one of the things I wanted to ask now is I was wondering yeah. if there's anything you see when you watch a marketing campaign or an ad or something and you go, I see they use that. And yeah. again, this is because I've just met you use this a lot. They use the Charfanotsky something yeah. from that book from 1950 something in that one. <laughs> Do you ever have that? Where you of turn course, I have it all the time. That's why I said in What's the beginning. What's the cleverest one? The one that really, like, you were just, ah, got it. Because there's weird stuff that happens to me. Yeah. I'm still, you can ask Roy. There's a guy, there's a, a very famous uh, watch company. It's called Move, uh, Movement. They, they cheap watches. They sell it. Their whole concept is, like, it's cheap watches, and they, but they're really beautiful. And one day I got um, on my Instagram account on a picture that had nothing to do with watches, and I've never hashtagged a watch or anything. I got an emoji of a watch from some person. So I checked to see what it is. It's the CEO of that company. 
So I'm looking at his feed, and I'm going, wow, it's so weird. I recognize it because I recognize their marketing is fantastic. A month later, I bought a watch. I don't wear it ever. Like, I think I, when we go to, like, somewhere and I'm wearing yeah. a suit, maybe I'll put it on. I don't want the watch. There was no reason for me to buy a watch. And I knew as I was buying the watch, I was like, son I, I of a bitch. Like, I don't want that, this. Yeah, I don't want this. And he got it because of a stupid <laughs> little emoji. And I'm doing it anyways. <laughs> I picture you going to, the like, the mail office, like, the post office. Like, he, like, he picks it up. He opens, like, he opens up, like, the, the package, looks at the watch, throws it to the garbage, walks away. Yeah, just walks away. <laughs> so completely, no, but, that, like, uh, I yeah. recognize that he inceptioned made me think about the watch and think about his watches and keep thinking about his watches to the point where I turned around and was like buying a damn watch I'll give another example first of all yes it happens to me all the time uh, and that's why I said even knowing these phenomenons uh, this phenomena uh, in, in an intellectual manner doesn't yeah, help it doesn't like stop. you no. the decoy effect will, but you will, explain it to every McDonald's you go and you're like you know that you're decoying <laughs> me with this big freaking exactly. Big Mac here screw that <laughs> I'll give you another example also Carmen Tversky these are the legends of this thing if I tell you that you know they sell here a pen for 10 shekels Okay, and then right before you purchase, I tell you, look, if you go down the street, you know, 500 meters, there's a, the same pen for one shekel. Okay. Like one shekel, will you go? Not ten shekels, and you want this pen? Will you go 500 meters to get the? Uh, I will, but it will be w- worth less to me when I get it home. The fact no, that I got you, it for you, a shekel. No, like, no, but it's the same one. So this there's this a, there's is a, you lying, by the way. What? That I wouldn't go to uh, yeah. down a block to get it for a shekel? You would say it's only seven shekels. I don't care. Ten, nine shekels, right? Ten, ten, one. Ah, so okay. now, as you say, it's the same. You have a car here. You buy a car. Let's say ten thousand shekels, right? But I tell you, look, in the other side of the street, there's for nine thousand nine hundred ninety-one shekels the same car. Will you go? No. No. No, it's the same nine shekels, right? Yeah, you're saving the same amount of money. And oh, rationally, if you think about it, you have ab- uh, a money's absolute measure, right? It's like it's you have it or you don't have it. Yeah. And in this case, you would go to save nine shekels, and in the other one, you wouldn't go. And this is called mental accounting. And the idea here is really interesting. If you think about it, why would you go for nine shekels? You're going anyway the same distance for nine shekels. I'm firing my yeah. mental accountant. That's really bad. He just said yes to one. Fuck <laughs> my mental account. <laughs> anyway, so these are the things that here I told you about it. And you will keep on doing the same. I think you will still go. Yeah, I'm and, still going to do it. And you, and you won't go and do it for now. No, because exactly. I'm trying to, now I'm trying to analyze it in my head why I make that decision. Because it's like I'm saying, like, 10,000 shekels in my head, 10,000 shekels is a freaking, okay, I package the 10,000, it already hurts me enough that I'm going to do it. Yeah. Exactly. When I'm doing 10 shekels, exactly. I'm like, that doesn't really hurt me that much. But then I'm going, hey, but when, you know, for one shekel, why not do that little effort? Exactly. You know? And remember, uh, do you remember I said at the beginning, the our way, minds are not, cannot perceive absolute things, but they perceive relative right. things. It's a nine shekels relative to something. Right. And so the car and the pen is what plays the real effect here, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, okay, Your attention is really drawn there, exactly. By the way, I, right before this, I, I came back from New York and everything, so I, I wanted to get something nice for Roy, so I got him a Muji pen. That's the 10 shekel one, not the one. <laughs> just keep that in mind. The Muji pen, and by the way, it's complete bullshit. Probably Muji is just a fucking pen, but you know what? The 10 what shekel is, one for you, man. It's differently, man. It just, what? Muji? It's yeah. just this fisato lama, like it's this, yeah. this idea that everything is it has to be designed perfectly and, and simplistically. Yeah. It's, it's a it's Japanese brand, no? It's a, yeah, it's, they yeah. have the only, only five colors. It's white, white, off-white, beige, off-beige. That's how uh, all yes. their story is. It's really <laughs> yeah. scary. I also went to Uniqlo, which I found out is Uniqlo. not unique at all. I know. It's, uh, I know. Everything is the same throughout the whole story. They, they had like one-hit-wonder <laughs> coat. 
Yeah, that's what it is. That's, that's it. a puffy thing. Yeah, that's and that's what, and they have it puffy. And my wife and my brother, my brother, I, I laughed at him. I said, this is where you get a uniform for Deloitte. This <laughs> right. is like everything that, this is you cool at Deloitte if you get like some uh, like uh, khaki pants. You know, it's like a Japanese company. Yeah. No, I understood that. But I was just going in and I was like, I just went past the same code 17 <laughs> times. Nothing's unique here. And unique, low. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is like, uh, wait, this is summer wear. This is winter wear. It's the same coat. So, okay. So, uh, thinking about the framing thing, how would you? Let's let's make this practical. With the framing effect, like if you're a company, where where would you use it? Do you have like an idea? Or? So, I think first of all, for if example, no, if you are trying up. to sell insurance, um, insurance, how does insurance work? It's exactly on that, uh, based on this. Um, on this phenomenon, right? Like insurance is like, there's something bad that might happen. So as an insurance uh, agent, you want to make this bad thing salient, yeah. right? So in that sense, you have to talk about framing again, again about the the, the uh, negative things and the, and talk like about- is 100 shekels a month versus you dying and receiving 8 million shekels. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So I thought he was gonna say like, when the guy's coming for the meeting for, to buy insurance, to have like a piano fall near him <laughs> and an anvil and all this like, <laughs> like <laughs> that could it, what's going on? Um, I, again, I have to think about it, and um, I, I, I came from the theoretical point of view here, but, uh, <laughs> and this is your job to find. Uh, yeah, we'll but again, again, so I think I, in, in, I, that's why I, I say it. You usually do research to understand, and then I say, ah, by the way, this was framed to your users uh, like this, and that's why they acted yeah. like this. But if you're framing like this, they might. So, but so I'm thinking of the mental accounting now for a second. How would you use it in a in a product? First of all, when you do a bundle of things, this is mental accounting, right? When you bundle things mm. and then you can add some other things, and then you, it's about uh-huh. actually how people. So it's, add it's, to the it's pencil may, extra it's, stuff, it's maybe, and then turn around and see if the value changes to the point where you're not willing to go to someone else for an extra thing. Yeah, maybe like when and you may, sell like an online course and you have like free bonuses, and like it's the same. You still pay one thousand dollars, but now you feel like you've paid for like much more, even though you didn't. Again, this is basically on the on the aspect of looking at the product and thinking what's the value to an average person. A car is valued a lot, lot more than a pen. No, yeah, but, but at the end of the day, you save nine shekels in both of the interactions, and I can make it even worse. And I say, actually, if you go to the pen, you save more. Let's say that the pen is nine, 10 shekels here and five shekels there, you still go. <coughs> you save five shekels. Mm-hmm. But when it's a car, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do that hassle. You wouldn't go all the way there, even though you're saving more money. And that's irrational. Yeah. So I, I and th- the idea I is that th- something, there's, there's, um, something is capturing your attention, which is the big price. We have to edit everything out because people listening to podcasts like, how are they not getting this? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, because basically what you're saying with with the big numbers, then I'm I'm not as sensitive to to small numbers within. It's it's like if you if there's like one million um, I don't know, balls in a in a bag and you take one, you don't care. But if you have two balls and you take one, you're like, oh my god, there's like there's nothing. Yeah, it's but not that's fun. percentage wise. No, no. let let me try to say <laughs> it again. And if not, we I have another we're, we're percent of my balls. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine in the, both cases you were willing to. In one case you were willing to walk 300 meters to save nine shekels. And yeah. In the other one you Is were it, not willing to do. Yeah, that. Now, if I ask you how much. Walking 300 meters is, is worth. Is worth. And in one case, you say it's worth for me. And in the other one, it's not worth for me. And this is uh, where it becomes really difficult. Like if I say, here you buy the, ten for t- the pen for 10 shekels, and you have it just around the corner 
for one shekel, you will go to yeah, save this nine shekels. It's exactly the same. But if I do the same thing with a car or with a so, phone, you won't do it. So it's, but it's, you're saving the same amount when you walk that way. So it's, it's basically a perspective of like, um, how do you play with what is worth what? Like, how do you change the perspective of expensive versus cheap? Or how do you change the perspective versus like worth it or not worth it? Like worth the effort versus exactly, not worth the effort. Exactly, exactly. And how, so, so I think that for... So I, th- I think that for pricing, it, I think that's just the wrong comparison when we talk about how to do it for your product because you're the same vendor. It's, it's uh, there's like, the, 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 like, there's not a difference in effort. It's like, still click this button versus click that button. And if we change features, then we're actually doing the decoy thing we're talking about. Yeah. The, men- like the mental accounting thing would be, should I, um, should I buy this from, uh, I don't know, AppSumo, for example, or should I buy it through your website? And AppSumo is like a 50% discount even maybe, but you have to go and register to a website and, and uh, I don't know, wait for the deal to come up even. Um, or, no, or even, no, because once you wait, it's a different... Let, let's, let's, I think the mental accounting, we somehow <coughs> we, we'll just edit it. it out. We never uh, talked about mental accounting. Um, mental who? <laughs> but I, I think there's one, one other term that is important to know because actually I should have started with it. The whole idea of choice architecture was that imagine, okay, so, so there's what's called a hassle factor, okay, uh, or, or a friction cost, okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing. And basically, it's like mental bumps, like uh, road bumps, how do you call mm-hmm. it, yeah, road yeah. bumps, that even though they're really small sometimes, they discourage you from doing an action. Okay, just like we know from the Germany versus uh, Austrian uh, organ donators. Mm-hmm. There's a small bump. Un- unchecking or checking the box of being right and I think the, the I, I like the example that they have in, in, in the book they ask you okay you go to the office and you have you know a bowl of fruits and you have half of the bowl is, is bananas and half oranges if you come after the working day what will you find more bananas or oranges was it banana because it's easier to peel exactly yeah. and this All is right. this is uh, 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 let's say banana has a low friction cost or a low yeah, because uh, it's like, like exactly. unwrapping it so exactly the same thing like and, and even if you like more an orange the small friction cost of, yeah. of peeling and, and you know having the smell on your fingers makes you choose the banana right by the way if you had a peeled uh, uh, um, the orange oh, there okay. you might have it and yeah. he's almost saying that right now that if you were doing a, an onboarding experience that then just like so I have five different things by having one of those that has a checkbox on it I'm actually that little checkbox is it might deter people from actually it might be an extra speed bump because they have to right. make a whole decision well, for that little um, thing well two things that easily come to mind with conversion rate optimization actually and this is that this is why like page speed load is so important because if I have to wait a second more it might have become a bump for me and I was like oh I don't have time for this and I will churn and this is why like this is why you can actually increase conversion if you have like a page that loads in five seconds if you make it load in one second you will see increase in conversion rates because there are more people like willing to wait and also like the and also like the the mindset they're in, they're they're less angry because they were angry about five seconds versus yeah. one second. But um, I think when you look at onboarding, I think one of the things that people uh, so the, like the big example of friction would be credit card because most people have to go find their wallet, yeah. and once you lost my attention exactly. of that, you, uh, I'm distracted, and, exactly. and that's a huge friction. But if you even look at how Google Doc works. So at the beginning, Google Docs, you would open a document and say, how do you want to name your document? 
but that was a friction because I don't know, I didn't write it yet, so I don't know how I'm going to call it. Yeah. Versus opening it right now and go straight into the document, and there's less chances of me saying, wait, you know what, I don't want to do it, and, and cancel. Is that the thing they actually stopped? Yeah. That's yeah. actually really cool. Yeah, if you've, okay. if you've seen That's now, everything sounds with Yeah, no, title. I know that it doesn't. I know, like, I get in there, so, and then if you even want to save it and you don't have a name, it already takes the first right. type of the, the yeah. first thing exactly. you wrote there, but so, it's the name. So with the onboarding process, you need to think about two things. First of all, as less steps as possible, because every step is another friction. But also, like, if you can, if I entered my email on the homepage, don't ever ask it again on exactly. the next page. Just take it with you. If there's, like, for example, I can uh, get your information from the cookie from wherever, I can get pull it in, use that. So I, I think the most popular example is that if I know you're browsing from Israel and you already have that, like, time zone set up versus, like, choose your new time zone mm -hmm. now. So I think... The, the, this is a key term, the, the factor, the friction. friction cost, because as choice architectures, we want to be able to overcome and help our users, yeah. uh, you know, diminish and decrease the friction cost. And, and I can give one example that actually, uh, remember that you said that, um, that you price higher when you say it's a... Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I have a friend, uh, we solved this over a glass of beer, but if I had to give it as a project, maybe I should have... <laughs> anyway, he, he, he's, uh, I think he, he allows to publish. So Globalit is the name of the, of the startup, and basically what, uh, what he does there is they... Um, <clears throat> so you want to compare between raw materials, you know, like Zap in Israel. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, if I bought a kilo of sugar here, uh, in, in South America, in this state, I, I, got, I paid this amount and you paid 10 times more. So he's trying to get this transparency because it's a raw materials are really untransparent, non-transparent yeah. market. Mm -hmm. And the way he goes about it is like you have to fill how much you paid and then we'll give you how much uh, is compared to others. So, of course, people didn't write down. They don't want. They, they lied. He was able to, to see that they were lying. And they said, okay, guys, you're not giving the right, can you give the right uh, price? And they would just disappear. And we were thinking about it a bit, and I was trying to think, what, what are the, why did people, why people don't give this information? So, and there were different uh, hypotheses. Some of them were like, okay, they don't want to, they want to give it, like it's a confidential information, they don't want to give it. Or maybe they're a bit lazy, like to write five digits and enter, like, there's some they're embarrassed. <coughs> I don't know why that's why I would go exactly. So, so what I what we came up with, I think it was after the second beer or the third beer. We say like, what about a range? Instead of letting them write it, just put a range between zero and uh, infinite, and they just have to click with the mouse on the right yeah. space. I don't know exactly the numbers, but he said that after a week. Like four four hundred percent, five hundred percent. People started giving the information because, and I think it can tap to either either it was because they were lazy and five clicks compared to one click, or you know, giving a right the number is is an exact number, right? Like you, you don't want to give exactly the information, but if you click with the mouse, you're more or less around it, but you don't give the exact number, so you feel comfortable providing information that seems embarrassing or confidential in that sense. So it, this is a, an example of where we didn't we didn't do research in advance. We're just thinking, okay, what could be happening here? And then, you know, we just saw the numbers afterwards. And right. It's actually A/B testing in tech is really easy to see the this. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I'm coming back to the idea of we as choice architects want to avoid friction cost as much as possible for our users. And mm -hmm. this is, the, and then you have the default and you have the decoy and you have the, 
the mental accounting and loss aversion and all of these things a way to to help them out it's like don't make me think in a way like you want to point you want to point someone into doing an action you want them to do and you want them as less distracted as possible to getting there and you want every milestone or every encounter to kind of push him that way yeah and it works in everything like if again you talk from marketing perspective as if you think about it as a government perspective if you want people to eat healthier you can push them towards it like right. even you know in where I live there's an elevator and there's a escalator but the escalator is behind the door so there's a friction cause there yeah if you think about it if there was no door maybe I would go more, more usually this moment what he's, what he's saying now is mostly what I think when I go to restaurants what I think I wonder if the A-B tested their menu. I wonder if the A-B tested their this. I wonder if they ever tested, like, all these different aspects of, like, restaurants and stuff. You don't see the same things that we do, like, that we're A-B testing on a website, but they exactly. could theoretically yeah. do it. Yeah. And I'd be very interested to see, like, a restaurant that, let's say, Chuck E. Cheese, like, say, for one of these, like, places you go and they have an arcade and they overprice their food and they do, that's how they make their money, right? So you could turn around and say, I'm going to make a restaurant that's like a Kofix where I give everything for really, really cheap, but I'm going to make most of my profits on overpricing the drinks. And then you just need to figure out how to A-B test that menu to make it so that your drinks seem like the most important thing to buy, and then the food seems like the least important thing. Exactly. Mm. So, also, I think about your, your but, friend. But, but, I think, but I think it is, it's exactly that, because you're just like, oh, I want to spend so much money on the arcade, and then like, ah, oh, yeah, get a drink. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the plan. They say, oh, I'm going to get kids to come in here for the arcade. I'll get parents to take them so they can sit down and, the, and they go play the arcade. But the food is overpriced. My wife was like, we spent like 60 bucks on freaking one pizza, some cheese sticks and something. But the, I was like, of course we did. That's the point of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with your friend was interesting because I was saying, I'm pretty sure for that website, the whole concept was that they give the information. It helps them build the, the database of how much people pay for everywhere. Exactly. So I would actually think that the solution would be more about how it's more about what you said about the loss right or using the right terminology to get that information mm-hmm. right be part of the network of the of the community yeah. uh, you know helping us all learn how to buy things better rather than saying give me something that's not necessarily mediocre um, but um, also that's a very like that's a very yeah. design thing like you yeah. the, uh, there was a Waze Rider which is now Waze Carpool had a, a little indicator like that Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it was super fun like I remember they even had a little element that as you pulled it to the left all of a sudden he went a little bit right like he was getting pulled he had the friction and it was so much more fun to do that and even though I couldn't get to the exact amount of seven shekels I wanted to pay for the ride that I was getting to work every day um, it was fun to, to do that it's, you just said something you called it loss aversion but it was actually something I said be part of the community yeah. That yeah. Does, does it, that, that's lots of version. No, 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 I know that. I was just uh, saying the terminology, the framing, as you said. Like, how do you frame this yeah. aspect of giving the information? It could be framed as be part of something bigger, or it could be framed as, you know, uh, you know, don't let people, don't lose money on stuff that you already have. Give us this and we'll. I'm commenting, I'm commenting on that because social is also a really good nudge. Like, marketers know that already, but, yeah. you know, that's, uh, Cialdin is, uh, you know, um, research about how to make people not uh, recycle, uh, you know, recycle their the towels so they had this sign saying 75% or 80% people do do recycle this towel or something like that and, and it makes you think and, you and we know that in, in, in the US they, not in the US in the UK they have a behavioral insights team so people that Amazing. know behavioral science and help the government with that so really for, for example yeah it's okay, really interesting and they, and they have the thing that if you you want to pay if they want to help people pay taxes more one of the things that work is to write in the letter 
85% people living in your area are paying taxes on time. Yeah. And this is this is pushing them. This is a nudge also. Social nudge like because it's like what we said about the picture. All of a you see people doing it and you go, oh, I should be doing that too. Yeah. So one of the nudges, like there are many, many nudges. Now, as you said, there's three criteria, right? It has to be cheap, it has to alter behavior, and it has to not uh, constrain options. Social is a nudge as well. And we know that we're social animals at the end of the day, and we like to be... We like to be part of a community. We like to be part right. of something. And of course, if my in-group, people around me, are paying on time, I don't want to be that person yeah. that doesn't. Right. Uh, so in that sense, that's another nudge, the social thing. And marketers know of it already, but it's also important to know that in a restaurant, if it says 80% of the people buy it, maybe yeah. it leads you that direction. So. Yeah. Like 80% of people just pay us and leave. <laughs> like they don't even need; they just give us money. No one complain. Eighty-five yeah. percent of people. No, don't but, but I, I think I think it's so interesting. This it's like the one where you go to the coffee shop at uh, Dear Habima, which have like tippers have better sex, stuff like that. Or uh, or I I went to this place. Um, I was at this uh, gas station, and they have like who's a better singer? Like uh, they gave you two options. Oh yeah, I like the man or the woman. Yeah, like man, the, yeah, like man the or the woman, who's the better singer? And then like men, you, you or men or women better tippers, and then you have like a one for men uh, and one yeah. for yeah. women, and that's like yeah. that's just as clever because it makes you more engaged with the concept of giving a tip. Yeah, but it's the exact same idea. Well, if we if we went already to these examples, then they you know the. The classic nudge example is the fly on the in the urinal ah, yeah. in in Schiphol, uh, in in the Amsterdam's um, uh, airport. What they have it everywhere. Yeah, it started there. <laughs> ah, okay. So basically, ahead. that when you also in the book, if you talk about nudge, that's the if you t- Google nudge, you'll get this flea on the uh, fly on the urinal. urinal yeah, but I'm not sure women get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, you can't aim. <laughs> Uh, but you understand why it's a nudge because yeah, of uh, first of all it created a huge difference because um, um, cleaning costs went down because yeah, he just doesn't yeah. want to say it's a huge difference because people stop peeing on the floor yeah, on the ceiling exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking is that maybe there's well, somewhere yeah. a protest by flies saying we are being butchered yeah. <laughs> for people to pee better yeah, <laughs> um, anyway so that's uh, how we got that uh, because we said that tippers have better yeah. sex so I had to yeah, reframe the conversation too. Yeah, uh, damn, there's so much more that I want to talk about. Yeah, there's so much we're, more. We're, we're kind of running out of time. I'm not, I have stuff I want to talk about that's not even marketing stuff. I just want to know more about human, uh, like the basic mind and how. Yeah. I love this because this is like a framework that whenever you do, if you take these things into consideration, you can you can really change how people behave around you. So if you're like a product manager or UX or marketing, yeah. uh, or just like interacting with humans, basically, but. Uh, our target audience is not humans, it's marketers. Uh, so um, so if you take those things into consideration, you can basically reframe everything you do or everything you, all, the, all the content you put out. Yeah, the way, the way I would say is choose any of the ones that we've spoke about so far and then just try to, for a full day, recognize where it's having its effects. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be able to take that and use it in your own marketing right. or or, or even wait and let's 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 lower the friction because here you have to think in advance. Like don't forward. think <laughs> no go over your product right now product pages marketing materials etc and uh, and just kind of uh, circle around the places where you feel like oh this is framing this is uh, loss aversion all these things and think about am I using the right tactic or not go to your pricing page go to uh, the existing things. And then, like, find the opportunities to test it there. Cool. And then go to your families and tell them you love them. And then go and then give them all the name of our podcast and make them listen. Boom. Yeah. 
and then ask them, say like kindly to your spouse, hey, would you review this podcast or maybe share with your friends? Yes, that would be important to do. Yeah. And all this, you know, comes from Rise, where we're, we sit and we record. And, yeah. uh, but outside the podcasting booth, it's funny. the whole office space, yeah, waiting whole, for fintech startups. Which is like, it's not the same as, you kept saying you, you studied at SIT. No, I just studied, you worked at SIT, S-I-T, S-I-T yeah. yeah. We have seats. We have seats. <laughs> we don't have SIT, but we have seats. Um, so, so thank you for Rise for sponsoring yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and uh, being our host for this podcast. All right. Please do not regret this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you right. so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, Roy, for being here. Thank you, Roy. Um, Thank you very much. I, I just want to. I, I just want to sit down and listen to. I more feel like stories. I'm gonna. Um, every once in a while, I'm gonna shoot you a message asking a question, and then I'm just gonna show it to my wife and say, "See, I told you so." <laughs> All right. And you're, and you're like, just, and by the way, like, uh, I, I, you don't, you don't have kids yet, right? Because I didn't hear you. No, you, we just got married a month ago. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I can't really wait happy. to see the book you write of how I manipulated the crap out of my kids. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. All right, cool. Yeah. Good. Um, all right, thanks, guys. Guys, Thank you so a much. pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bye.